the Jeep Talk Show. Now, two episodes a week. What? Two episodes? Okay. Yes, that's right. Two. Are you excited? I'm always excited when it comes out on Friday. It's actually a go-to podcast that I can actually listen to while I'm heading over to work or on my way home. New episodes every Friday and early Monday morning and time for your commute. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network Podcast. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show with Wendy. There will be body damage. Jeep Mama. Are you sure? Josh. Yeah, I don't think so. And Tony. I think that's a huge deal. So sit back, strap in, and brace yourself. Hey, I want you guys to take a moment and go and share something from the Jeep Talk Show. We're on Facebook, Instagram, uh, TikTok. Uh, pretty much anywhere except for uh, Pinterest, and uh, find a Jeep Talk Show post. I'm sure you're seeing them all the time anyway, and share them with your friends. Let them know about the Jeep Talk Show, and hell, get them into the uh, the Jeep Talk Show Zoom room and uh, share the fun. The JTS team is here to inform and entertain you about Jeeps. If you're new to the Jeep world or thinking about jumping in and getting your feet dirty, you're in the right place. Whether you're interested in having a unique off-road vehicle ready to hit the trails or that daily driver that's also a weekend warrior, this show is for you. Find out more information about the Jeep Talk Show at jeeptalkshow.com. And coincidentally, that's where you can find the show notes. Yeah, how about that? Hey, I'm Josh, and on this episode of the Jeep Talk Show, you're going to hear who is on the nameplate for Jeep's high-end audio systems. We've got another dumb criminal story, and speaking of audio, we're going to look into what it may take to waterproof your Jeep's stereo. Hey, it's Tammy, a.k.a. Jeep Mama, and on Jeep Life, death wobble and mud just don't mix. Hi, I'm Tony, and uh, you know, I got a nice new 2021 Jeep Gladiator, and if you like hearing about the rubbing Gladiator... Keep rubbing it in. <laughs> yes, that's and if you, you like, and if you like rubbing it in as much as I do, uh, <laughs> listen, <Hey-o. laughs> listen to our Friday episodes where you can get more information about a Jeep Gladiator, and you know, half of it applies to the JL as well, the front half. <laughs> Local Jeep News, National Jeep News, and news from around the world. It's This Week in Jeep. In the home audio world, Victosh is very well known. The Binghamton, New York-based company was founded in 1949 and has a long history and serious credibility on its side. And it's now spotlighting a new long-term relationship with Jeep, blessed by the godfather of Fiat Chrysler himself. After a brief flirtation with car audio in the 90s that set the industry on its head, the Macintosh brand had mostly shelved its work in the automotive industry until it caught the eye, or in this case the ear, of Stellantis visionaries Ralph Giles and Sergio Marchione a few years before Marchione's death in 2018. They were convinced that Macintosh was the right fit for the reborn Grand Wagoneer, adding it to the new Grand Cherokee L soon followed. Most buyers are familiar with mainstream brands like Bose, who have been outfitting the higher end of premium line automotive sound systems in a variety of car and truck brands for the better part of 30-some-odd years. Mark Levinson is matched with Lexus, Audi and BMW use Bang & Olufsen, Mercedes-Benz prefers Burmester, and Nissan started partnering with Fender, the company that makes kick-ass guitars and amplifiers, for its vehicles a few years back. When Macintosh showed up in the new Jeep, some people were perplexed. Who the F is Macintosh? The audio brand's CEO, Jeff Poggi, understands that the new kid on the world of modern high-end audio is Macintosh and that hearing is believing. 
It's a well-known fact that the number one place people listen to music is in their vehicle. And Macintosh believes that if you're going to spend that much time in a vehicle, you might as well have good audio quality. And I second that wholeheartedly. For those who think this is all much to do about nothing, well, you've never really heard good, clean, clear audio reproduction from a high-end system before. And trust me, there is an incredible difference that cannot be ignored. Comparing the stereo in 90% of the vehicles on the road to this Macintosh system is like comparing the difference between a glass of fine wine to a mason jar of grape Kool-Aid. Back in the 1990s, when Macintosh first dipped its toe in the automotive industry, it provided amplifiers and head units for the aftermarket. The trademark blue meters were popular then, and it started a craze in the early 2000s that almost every audio manufacturer tried to duplicate in one form or another. Today, you will still see the iconic blue VU meters to show you how hard the amps are working. Inside the Grand Wagoneer and Grand Cherokee L, an app activates a digital meter that bounces with the music, and the Macintosh name is prominently dis uh, displayed. For most car stereo systems, you will have four speakers, maybe six to eight if you have component speakers, a mid-bass driver and a separate tweeter in all four corners. But that is still a just a four-channel stereo system with eight speakers, nine if there is a dedicated subwoof subwoofer in there somewhere. Each speaker set would have in the neighborhood of around 50 watts per channel, give or take, and maybe 75 for the sub, for a total system power of around 275 watts. Now, I'm not going to go into the semantics of RMS versus peak power right now, but just know these numbers are never absolute when it comes to OEM ratings. In the Grand Wagoneer, a true 1,375 watt, 24 channel amp, 23 loudspeaker system will belt out your favorite music with incredible range, clarity, and headroom, which basically means you can really crank this system to levels higher than what your ears can handle before something gives electronically anyways. Matched with metal ridge control knobs and front and uh, in the front and toggle controls behind the steering wheel that are typical for Jeep products, this pretty much checks all the boxes. Make no mistake though, this is not an inexpensive system, and its high-end price is built into these new Jeeps, which for the top-level Grand Wagoneer, can exceed six figures. So if you are serious about sound, I highly encourage you to go to your local dealer to see if they have a Macintosh-equipped Jeep on hand to demo for you. It will be an experience I promise you, you soon won't forget. Now, I remember the Macintosh computers in the uh, the early 80s. No, you, that's completely different. God, <laughs> I knew it. I, where's the, I almost where's wrote the mouse? that down. Where's the mouse? I almost wrote that down. Where's the green monocolor display? Do you, yeah. do you pick up the mouse and go, hello, computer? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the thing that uh, in the picture that, that you have in our show notes and we'll, we'll, we'll have in the show notes that you can look at, uh, I like that they have two analog VU meters on a mm -hmm. huge, this must be a 12, at least a 12-inch uh, flat panel display uh, and, and just above the center console. So it's so funny whenever they, uh, I always find it humorous uh, whenever they do analog stuff in a purely digital medium. Yeah. Purely digital format, yeah. yeah. No, I, I I like it. I like the retro look. I've I've got a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of nostalgia, if you will, because I was working in the yeah, car. Yeah, you've seen it. There's oh, but there's and, people and, oh, that no, have I never seen this. Stuff. Yeah, I tuned systems using this equipment. Well, not this equipment, but the Macintosh equipment, at least. So you know, yes, I can speak firsthand uh, from personal experience to the uh, the level of of performance that this equipment can achieve 
and if they worked with Jeep as far as engineering goes uh, in developing and, and tuning and, and setting up the system uh, for these vehicles, I guarantee you uh, that just stepping in with these the way that they are set off the showroom floor is going to be impressive. Not to mention, once you get in there and customize the settings a little bit and tune it for your own personal uh, listening environment, how you hear things uh, yourself, because everybody hears things differently, uh, it is really going to come alive. And, and so that's why I encourage you, just go down to your Jeep dealer, go check out one of these vehicles if they have them. Of course, make sure that they've got it before you go down there uh, and see if you, can, if you can't demo the sound system. Uh, and, and trust me, uh, make sure that you have maybe one of your favorite songs uh, downloaded on your phone so you can connect Bluetooth-wise and, and play this, you know, demo this system with your own you know, personal music. Trust me, it'll have you figuring out just how to afford a six-figure Jeep. So the thing that I'm thinking here is that almost 1,400 watts, multiple yeah. speakers, mul- huge display. you got to wonder, what would this sound like with two chuckleheads talking to you on a podcast? Yeah, so. it's like crap. <laughs> <laughs> no, it sounds wonderful than the Gladiator, and I don't even have this. You know, Josh, it, it has nothing to do with your story, but that doesn't never stop me. Uh, I just realized that the sound system in the Cherokee that I have is a Infinity system, mm-hmm. and that might be why yeah. it crapped out real quickly. Because it's, you know, like the infinity that you have with your cable company. That's Xfinity, <laughs> not infinity. Work with me here. God. <laughs> now I know all no, those speakers actually, cut out. <laughs> the, the old school infinity gold premium sound system of, of the uh, the old Chrysler era uh, right. systems were, were it wasn't, not, not the greatest. It's, it's not bad. The, the door it speakers were horrible. Off- Oh, yeah. No, all the speakers were horrible, really. Um, I mean, they weren't bad off the showroom floor, uh, certainly comparative to to the, the stock or the standard or, you know, the basic system. Uh, it was definitely a step up. Yeah, uh, you nothing get an like amplified this, system. You get an amplified system, you know, a little bit better speakers. But no, you're right. Nothing at all. Uh, it's night and day difference compared to this. I mean, well, that and, and you're talking about, you know, 25 plus years of, of technology and, and right. research and development. Uh, you know, so that's a lot of water under the bridge too. So, uh, technology has definitely come a long way since then. So I, 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 it may be because of the Apple Macintosh thing that I've, I've kind of blocked this out of my, my head, but you know me, I'm, I'm big into electronics. I've been interested in electronics, uh, for many, many years. I don't ever remember hearing anything about a Mick in Tosh because it's M C I N T O S H. Okay. For, right, for, for you others that have never heard of it either. Yeah, it's not M-A-C, like Macintosh. Uh, it, it is Macintosh. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, this is extremely high-end uh, systems here. This oh, is I wasn't very, good very enough is what you're saying. <laughs> well, no, I'm just saying is that, you know, this is audiophile uh, level gear. So, a lot of people who who were, I mean, not even really privy to, to you know, the world of car audio or, or uh, fine home audio wouldn't otherwise know about this brand because, you know, this isn't like something that you would see on showroom floors typically uh you would have to go to the the little boutique stereo shop um that is you know in the downtown area uh they only have one store they only have like four systems on display and you shouldn't even walk in there if you don't have 10 grand to spend uh it's 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 that level of equipment uh and so you know for the for the lay person for the average person for the you know the you and me persons uh we would never have experienced anything like this uh we would never have had access to it 
Um, and so uh, luckily for me, I just happened to have access to it through the the career path that I had at the time uh, and and got a chance to play with this sort of stuff. So um, but otherwise, I would not I would be just in the much in the dark as as you as anybody else. You know what this system needs? It needs a reel to reel tape system. Uh, no. <laughs> that, would be, on the back. that would be high end <laughs> i've always wanted a reel-to-reel system <laughs> well it was just in episode 509 in this week in jeep that i had a dumb criminal story out of a little town called seven hills in ohio four jerkwads stole a jeep three promptly <laughs> got caught and one of them had to be tased <laughs> all right yeah uh, well, that town seems to be fraught with crime, as this week we have yet another dumb criminal story out of the same little town. An officer of the Seven Hills Police Department observed a green Jeep Liberty with only one functioning brake light on Crossview Road. Prior to being stopped on Rockside Road, the Jeep pulled over to the side of the road and pointed to a side street before then taking off, traveling 75 miles an hour in a 25-mile-per-hour zone. Is that like Babe Ruth calling the side of the field where he's going to hit the home run? Watch out, copper. I'm going this away. Now, on Broadview Road, the Jeep nearly struck another vehicle before stopping suddenly, slamming the Jeep in reverse, and ramming into the police car. Wow. The officer followed the Jeep, which was now traveling in excess of 80 miles per hour, onto the Jennings Freeway. The pursuit was called off after the Jeep was uh, seen swerving in and out of traffic before exiting on I-77. The officer noted it appeared as if the Jeep's registered owner's husband was the driver. Police are still investigating, and I'm sure this guy is sleeping on the couch. Can you imagine uh, a Jeep going 80 miles an hour? Well, I've had mine up that fast. It, it wobbles <laughs> a little bit, but, you know, <laughs> aerodynamics not in its favor. Well, the microchip shortage continues and plants halt production. Several Stellantis assembly plants are facing cutbacks in production in relation to the global chip shortage, making the automaker, uh, the Jeep automaker at least, the latest victim in the manufacturing catastrophe that the whole world is facing right now. In a report from Automotive News, several Dodge, Jeep, Ram, and Chrysler plants in the U.S. and Canada are facing a downtime this coming week due to the said shortage, primary of which is the Sterling Heights assembly plant in Michigan that makes the Ram 1500. The over 7,000 employee strong facility will be down for a full week. Meanwhile, the Belvedere, Belvedere assembly plant in Illinois, which makes the Jeep Cherokee, is down for a week as well. There are at least two other non-Jeep plants that are also halting production of Dodge and Chrysler cars. Now, this isn't the first time that these plants face holdups due to the global chip shortage either. The Sterling Heights assembly plant already faced similar downtime back in July. The Windsor plant has only just resumed regular output from its delays back in July. Meanwhile, Jeep's Toledo South assembly plant in Ohio fell silent during the first week of August, halting the production of the Gladiator. That is a ripple that is still being felt by many dealers. Two of Stellantis' plants in France and one in Germany are currently in a standstill as well, and they have limited production at one plant in Italy, too. Needless to say, the global chip shortage has been causing a massive amount of upset within the automotive industry. And despite some speculators estimates, uh, speculators estimates that we will start to climb out of this by the end of the year, many like myself see the writing on the wall and are predicting effects of the shortage to last easily into the second or third quarter of 2022. Man, this is just amazing to me. I can't remember. Was this because of a fire uh, in a plant or is it just a They're general? They're blaming it on COVID. They're blaming it on COVID mm, um, okay. because, you know, worker shortage, uh, halts in, in production, um, you know, uh, uh, they've had to downsize workforces and stuff, closures and, and all this sort of stuff. I mean, 
I'm sure. I mean, you could, you know, screw the pooch and blame it on COVID. Uh, completely drop the ball. And, oh, I swear it was COVID's fault. It's supply chain stuff and things. So I don't really know what's going on. Uh, whether or not this is just a sort of uh, a scapegoat to, you know, um, uh, correct for a, uh, a poor decision made at the executive level, I, I, I don't know. Either way, uh, the effects are, are rippling all the way through the entire automotive industry and beyond. Uh, and how long this is going to go go on for? Well, it's anybody's guess at this point, but the effects are definitely unignorable. True, true. If you've got a news tip or response to any one of our stories, be sure to let us know what you have to say by phone or by email. Just head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact to find out how to reach out. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. Do you know what's on the 4x4radionetwork.com website? Uh, there's a ton of off-road stuff there. It's all off-road podcasts, it's all off-road related, and it's all for free. It's all just for you. It's all at 4x4radionetwork.com. The Jeep Talk Show is there on the Trail Podcast. We've got the 4x4 Podcast, Trail Chasers, the Center Steer Podcast, tons of stuff. Go check it out, 4x4radionetwork.com. We'll see you there. Hey, and coming up on Tech Talk, tuned in or not tuned in? That is the question. And we may talk about waterproofing your Jeep stereo as well. Why did you become a paid subscriber to the Jeep Talk Show? I love the show. I've listened to you guys free for uh, years now, and I figured I'd time to give back. You can be a paid subscriber and help support the show you love, the Jeep Talk Show. It'll just uh, help help the show out, and, and then in the end, it'll be Jeep Talk Show in my ear holes, you know? Just go to jeeptalkshow.com and look for the big yellow subscribe button. It'd be nice to give back to uh, so that you guys can continue on, because if they love the show, then why shouldn't you, why shouldn't you give back just a little bit? I'm going to take a moment here and thank everybody that has become a paid subscriber and uh, is no longer a rat bastard listening to the show for free. In fact, it has helped us uh, plan this uh, new uh, Jeep Talk Show Texas event at Hidden Falls on September 18th, and it is paying to fly Josh out to the event, which is really cool, seeing how, if, if for no other reason, and of course this isn't anything to do with you, it's just me, I've never met Josh. Uh, so, yeah. Now, granted, I've got to I've got to uh, go into a crate and fly with the luggage, but I mean, still, it's it's cool. I'll be able to get there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've asked. Uh, I spent the extra five bucks for additional holes, breathing holes for you. So, should okay. be good. Uh, <laughs> so, thank you very much uh, if you've become a paid subscriber, and if you ha- haven't, and you mean to, you'd like to because you find value in the show, even if it's just entertainment or to make fun of us. <laughs> go over to cheaptalkshow.com/slash/contact and find out all the ways that you can. And uh, become a paid subscriber. From the mind of Nikki G. Hey, this is Nikki G. And, uh, Wendy, good luck and safe travels on your road trip across America. It kind of reminds me of the time I told everybody I was going to build a truck out of spaghetti. <laughs> yeah, you should have seen the look on their faces as, as I drove pasta. <laughs> if you, if you oh, think that one was a, was a stinker, Bad. send all your hate mail to the Jeep Talk Show. <laughs> <laughs> That's not why I'm calling. <laughs> I woke up this morning, and I crossed the road, changed a light bulb, and walked into a bar. I'm beginning to think my life is turning into a joke. <laughs> all right, boys and girls, I'll chat you later. You have a good one. Bye. <laughs> You know, Only Josh, marginally making up for the last one, but, uh, <laughs> but we'll, we'll go ahead and, and give him credit. 
You know, Josh, I uh, recently uh, signed us up for uh, TikTok, and I was I was watching, scrolling through the all the little short videos that were there, and I happened across this one guy, and he showed a chicken g- crossing a road, and he goes, "Hey, wait a minute, why are you doing that?" Yeah, that's the kind of humor you see on TikTok. <laughs> The world it's may all never know. Level. Yeah. <laughs> the world may never know. <laughs> I thought it was funny. And that's just how sad that is. <laughs> you got tech questions? Oh, what do I ever? We have answers. Oh, that's good. I can, I, it's Tech Talk with Jeep Talk. Yahoo! You know, in the last couple of uh, tech, tech talks, uh, we wrapped up, uh, well, despite technical difficulties, we wrapped up a segment on how to prepare yourself for wilderness wheeling. This week, we are shifting gears and going to get back to answering the questions you've sent into the show. And we recently received an email that has a topic that I have not yet covered here on this podcast. It was a good question. That is how, yeah, really it was. And that is how to protect your Jeep stereo from the rain. Uh, Brent P. wrote into the show, and this is what he had to say. My CD head unit went out in my TJ. It was caught out in the rain i was thinking of putting in a double din but is there a way to quote unquote water resist a double din unit i can add some type of shielding to the top and back to better protect it from the rain maybe well i have already answered brent's question through email but i thought i would go into a little bit more detail here on the show on this subject to help brent a little bit more as well as give some advice to others who may be thinking of or needing to do the same thing Now, first off, the stock stereo size of all Jeep TJs is what is referred to as DIN and a half. The most aftermarket radios are single DIN, which have a face dimension of about 2 inches tall by 7 inches wide. A double DIN stereo is about twice as tall and the same width. Obviously, DIN and a half, well, you do the math. All aftermarket radios will vary in depth radically, and it is very important that you know if the radio you want will fit into your dash. For example, I have in the past installed a single DIN radio into the DIN and a half opening of a Chevrolet Blazer using a simple DIN and a half to single DIN adapter kit. However, the depth of the DIN radio was too long for the shallow cavity of this Blazer, especially using the recessed opening of the aftermarket kit for a cleaner look. I was able to solve this by reworking the air ducts behind the opening with a heat gun. Not something I would recommend for the novice installer, but I digress. The point of all this is that not all stereos are built the same way. One of those units with a fold-out screen, onboard DVD player, etc., 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 those can get pretty deep. On the other end of the spectrum are the completely digital receivers with literally nothing else inside them. No CD player, no transport, no mechanism, no fold-out screen, nothing. Just a digital radio and Bluetooth receiver for device pairing. Most most people listen to uh, medialist music, meaning music that is stored digitally versus being embedded on a medium like a compact disc or magnetic tape. These kinds of stereos are only about three inches deep, maybe even less, and can be put just about anywhere a hole can be cut big enough to fit it through. This brings me to the main point of Brent's email, and that is that he is considering putting a double-din stereo into a din and a half opening. It's not really going to fit, certainly not without some trimming and some modifications. It's not impossible, it can be done. Tony himself has done this very same mod on his 98XJ that has virtually the same exact central dash face as Brent's TJ does. Now, shoving a double din into a din and a half opening is not going to leave much room for trim rings, let alone uh, the solution that will keep the stereo from getting wet. This is a tricky subject because by nature, electronics don't like moisture, but hate heat just as bad. Marine radios are built a little bit differently than automotive models because they inherently see more moisture. 
marine, you know, water, lakes, sea, river, etc. You get it. The circuit boards in marine-grade electronics are protected by electrostatic safe epoxy called conformal coating. It's a liquid that is sprayed onto the PCB at the time of manufacture, and when cured, hardens to protect the entire surface of the board in an impenetrable cover that conforms to every little chip and component. This protects the circuit board assembly from moisture as well as dust and other form particles that could collect and eventually short out a circuit or a part. Automotive-grade stereos also have this coating, but not to the same extent as vehicles, uh, not to the same extent as vehicles who don't typically see the kind of humidity that boats do. At least not for as long as boats do anyways. They're typically always in the water or always going into the water. Now, you can't very well take apart a doubled-in stereo and give it the same treatment as marine-grade stereo. The grade of conformal coating need, uh, needed is typically not available on the open market, and not all versions of the stuff is safe for all circuit boards anyways. That and the general public likely doesn't have the right equipment to both apply then cure the conformal coating properly, so... What you're left with is trying to seal the stereo to essentially make it waterproof. This, in virtually every case, is most likely going to lead to overheating. Unless you live in like the Alaskan wilderness or something, it's generally too warm inside the dashboard for an electronic device that generates heat to be suffocated like that. It may last for a little while, but I assure you, the first really hot day, that stereo is going to give up the ghost. They make marine-grade stereo face covers called splash guards, or splash shields that the unit is installed into and that in turn is installed into the dash. For at least 99% of all automotive applications, this is likely not going to work out as the bulbous surround of this thing is too large for most dash openings. They also are usually screwed into the face of the boat's dashboard and that cage then that, that secures the stereo in place is then in turn mounted to that, unlike most double-din stereos that use brackets to secure it to the subframe of the dashboard. They do make splash shields for double-din stereos, but again, you may not like how these are mounted. You may be forced to screw into or bolt these through the dash, depending on what you get. They may also, uh, you may also be forced to start hacking things up just to give yourself the clearance to mount this thing properly. You may have a splash-proof stereo at that point, but eesh, look at the mess of the install. Have you ever seen that show, Nailed It? Yeah, that's likely how this is going to turn out for many of you, depending on the size of the splash guard you end up going with. Now, one option that really isn't on the table for most, but I decided to cover anyways, is going to be a full enclosure mounted under the dash, or somewhere at least. These are essentially a large plastic egg with a front that opens and closes that the entire stereo is installed into. A bracket loops over the top that you would use to mount the entire thing with. Most Jeeps don't have the room for something like this, and it would look ridiculous anyways. I'm afraid the only other thing you are left with is resorting to the world of 3D printing. If you have one of those devices or know somebody who does, well, they could likely print you out a custom-fit cover that could be slipped on when the sky starts to fall. You likely won't be able to see through it, uh, your remote might not work, you're not going to be able to adjust the volume without taking it off, etc., etc., but it may be a better option than what's on the market for the marine industry. My advice to Brent would be to do some test fitting. Maybe sh uh, stop in your local car stereo shop and ask them to see uh, if you can test fit one of those marine covers in the, into the dashboard. Uh, what you're looking for is just to see if it will fit without too much hacking of the dash. If so, well then go for it. My other advice would be to splurge for a marine-grade single-din stereo and mount it into the factory opening using a readily available dash kit. These stereos are generally a little bit more expensive than their automotive-only counterparts, but will give you the moisture protection that you're looking for. 
Just be advised, almost all of them uh, come in white only, so it may be a bit of an eyesore in the dash. You do have options, but the path of most resistance will have the greatest payoff if everything goes perfect, but will result in things that cannot be undone if they go sideways. And let's face it, how many Jeep projects have you known about that went off without one single hitch? Yeah. In the end, it's always best to go with what is supposed to fill that hole. Trying to put a square peg in a rectangle hole is not always going to work out the way we want. Either way, I hope this helps or at least give you some inspiration, and I wish Brent and you the best of luck. You know, I think that even if you could wedge a cover in there and keep the uh, the display unit from getting water on it or in it, which would be the worst case, I think mm -hmm. that over time... Uh, that radio is going to fail. It may, it may work for a couple of years, but I think over time it's going to fail because of uh, how much water there's going to be inside the Jeep. I really think the long-term solution is exactly what you said, a marine-grade radio. Um, there, no. there's, there's ceiling wrap. I think uh, my wife has this stuff. You've probably used it yourself, Josh, where it, you stretch it. Uh, it's a plastic uh, for putting away you know food it's a, a plastic that you stretch over the bowl and it mm -hmm. clings to it very readily it makes a nice seal uh you could use something like that to, to cover the thing whenever you needed to you need a roll of it because you can't i really don't think it's reusable uh so but but if you don't want to mess with it and you want it long term get something that's built for a wet environment yeah, uh, and, and trying to wrap the stereo in a, in a some kind of a shield. Is, well, I was thinking is, this is the front of it. You know, keeping the display of the double din right. uh, dry because, but it's I, I still think the inside part of it's going to it's going to get moisture in it. It's going to dry out. It's going to get moisture in. It, it's going to dry out. Things are going to get rusty. Things are going to corrode, and it's going to start acting up. Yeah, and that's why I would say if you if you go with one of those like digital only uh, type of, of devices, they generally have I mean like a small circuit board inside of them, and that is it. Yeah. I mean there are there's no mechanics to them whatsoever. Uh, there's not any kind of a CD transport mechanism that you know would load and unload. There's no eject, you know that sort of thing. Minimal, um, minimal electronics. And, and yeah. some of the, yeah, very very minimal. Some of them don't even have an AM FM radio in them, uh, receiver in them. They they are s literally just a a multimedia receiver, if you will. You you hook up your phone to them, and that's where all the media comes from. Uh, you want radio? You use iHeartRadio. You want to listen to a song? Well, you use you know uh, you know Pandora or Spotify or, or whatever, or you listen to the music that you have stored on the device. Yeah. That's the direction everything is pretty much going nowadays. Uh, and, and so you know, if you want a device that is going to be more resistant to to that sort of stuff i'd go that direction you want to take it a step further you go marine grade and you go further than that you're going to start getting into custom solutions which well you know it, it all depends on how you, how good you are with the uh the installation skills I, I know in the communication world they make radios that have the the main part of the radio and the display is a head unit that you can remove and mount the head unit separately uh, do you know of any stereo uh, multimedia systems that have a, a small, easily mountable other places main unit and then just the display would be mounted and then you could actually pop it off? So if it gets wet, pop it off, put it in the case, put it in the center console, take it with you, the whole the whole nine yards. That That's the only other solution I can think of, but I've never seen one of those. No, I, I well... <sighs> Yes, there there are, but they only come in very, very high-end systems that you would not put into a Jeep. Certainly not gotcha. one that goes off-road. Uh, these are talk I'm talking about sound quality competition level electronics. 
uh, Nakamichi is one brand that that, that comes to mind uh, where where they had you know your main head unit, but then there was a whole nother essentially computer. Um, uh, there was another main board. There was another device essentially that was permanently connected to the the rest of the stereo that had to be mounted elsewhere. And this was an off board processor that that gave you a ton of features, uh, allowing you to do things like. Uh, find and then attenuate the resonant frequency of the vehicle. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> nice. it, it, yeah, yeah, and that—that's what we're talking about. Just a next level type of audio processing here. Yeah, so. You're not going to need that in a Jeep, let alone want it for an off-road rig. And it's way too sensitive of, of of type of equipment to to be used for for that sort of thing. Now, obviously, the shortwave radio, ham radio, that sort of stuff, communications equipment uh, is is much more rugged. Uh, and can withstand that sort of uh, environment, but uh, but no, the the audio world hasn't really come to that level yet, at least not that I have seen. So, oh, I'll I'll mention this. I also installed the double din unit in my wife's 2003 TJ. So, oh, so it's in the TJ as well. So you have yep. a double din in the in the 98 XJ and in the TJ. I did hers first because uh, those. Uh, <laughs> Those bezels are... <laughs> Just in are, case I screw up, honey, you're the one that has to look at it. Well, it, it was a, like a Christmas <laughs> gift, and those bezels, uh, replacement bezels, are readily available on Amazon. And the XJ bezel, uh, it was just a listener that said that he had found this, uh, Crutch, Crutchfield, and uh, uh, it was more expensive, but uh, once I found the bezel, then it made it very easy to, to go that same direction with the XJ. Yeah, and the bezels aren't, the replacement bezels aren't incredibly expensive, are they? They're like maybe bucks. 50 bucks to 100, 100 bucks. 100 yeah, bucks not, not outrageous. No, I yeah, thought not it was outrageous for plastic. <laughs> well, I mean, you're talking about a, a, what, a two and a half foot by one foot, you know, piece of yeah. molded plastic with clips and, you know, all that sort of stuff. So, I mean, yeah, there's something to it, but, you know, could it be cheaper? Absolutely. But, uh, well, you, you know, could, 100 bucks is, you could is cut, outrageous. You, you could cut and fiberglass and fix your old one, but, man, that's a lot of work. That's a yeah, lot you know, of sand. What's your time worth yeah, yeah, exactly. at the end of that? So, but, yeah, it's uh, the, the TJ was really easy. I don't even really remember cutting anything. Uh, the XJ, there was a, a lot of cutting that had to be done, uh, repeated, uh -huh. repeated cutting, but it wasn't that bad. You have to have the uh, actual duct tape, not the not the silver stuff, but the aluminum. No, D-U-C-T. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you'd use in the, in the HVAC industry. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I just wish it was a little faster. I wish I'd spent a little more on the radio. And that's the other thing uh, that you can do. Yeah, put the double din in there. Use some sort of plastic wrap over the front of it, and when it goes bad, go spend you another hundred and fifty bucks and get a replacement. It's already you just you just pull it out and put the new one in. You, you don't have to do any more cutting. It's just going to be a quick uh, swap around. Uh, yeah, and if you get the same brand, it's literally yeah. plug and play. You can yeah. probably use the same harness and everything. Well, they make adapters too, so that's what I did on both oh, yeah. of them. I just use adapters, so very little work. Well, if you have anything to add to this topic, we'd like to hear what you have to say, or maybe if you have a question for Tech Talk, just jump over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and find out how to send us a message. Reach out. Who knows? The very next episode might have a topic that you wanted us to cover. In episode 442, we spoke with Sean P. Holman of Motor Tramp. I've raced in the Baja 1000. I've been all over the world testing everything from, you know, Range Rovers to, uh, to Ford trucks, everything in between. Just, it's it's been an amazing journey. Sean just bought a new JL, but was it the right color? In gray, it, red was in the running, I just, and I told this to Mark Allen. I said, bring back flame red. Yes. Firecracker is just a little too orangey for me. It, your, your argument is it wasn't red enough. 100% support that. <laughs> a Jeep Talk Show has well over 400 past episodes for your entertainment. Entertainment. You know, it's funny. That was the reason why I didn't want to get red uh, this time on the Gladiator. 
Uh, and uh, I told my wife, I says it's supposed to be a little orangey, but when I saw it in person, it was fine. I don't, I don't have a problem with it at all. Uh, it's, it's actually very close to the red that's on both the TJ and the XJ. So I'm very happy yeah. with it. Very good. Are you living the Jeep life? From mall crawlers to weekend warriors, from daily drivers to weekend wheelers, it's all about the Jeep life, and it's all good. It's time for Jeep life with Jeep Mama. Tony, Josh, and Wendy, the other day a guy brought his Jeep into the shop because of death wobble. After thoroughly looking over the Jeep, nothing with the suspension seemed wrong. However, Neil did take some dirt shots to the eyes and face. The undercarriage of the Jeep was caked in hardened mud. The wheels were packed with it. So it was off to the car wash for a thorough soaking and power washing. Ding, ding, ding. Death wobble was gone. Which brings me to my Jeep life topic. Which brings me to my Jeep life topic. Checking and caring for your Jeep after a day on the trails. When you are out bouncing around, flexing, crawling up rocks, scraping and banging, and hitting those mud holes and water puddles, when you are out bouncing around, flexing, crawling up rocks, scraping and banging, and hitting those mud puddles and water puddles, it is always a good idea to check over your Jeep before you hit the pavement home or put it up on your trailer. While you are airing up your tires, that's a good time for that first check over. Notice I said first time. You will want to check over your Jeep once you get it home as well, especially and I highly suggest you wash your Jeep. Here are some good I I know Jeeps are supposed to be I know Jeeps are supposed to be dirty, but I highly suggest you wash your Jeep. Now here are some things to look for after you're done wheeling on the trails. Completely inspect the underbody of your Jeep. Check the tires for tears or punctures, look at all your valve stems, and look at all your and look at all your valve stems. There's a chance you could have come too close to a rock or stump and torn one. I have done that at, I have done that at least 3 times on the trails. Look over your steering and suspension. One good way to know if there's anything wrong is to look at your Jeep when you don't have anything wrong with it. Get under your Jeep under normal circumstances to get to know what it should look like. Then when you are out on the trails after a day of wheeling, you can tell if maybe something is out of whack. You can even grab those linkages and give them a tug to see if anything feels loose. Look for shiny metal. This could mean components are rubbing while you're super flexing. You will also want to look over your exhaust system for punctures or dings or dents. Inspect the radiator for mud and debris and clean it if needed. Check threaded fasteners for looseness, particularly on the chassis, drivetrain components, steering, and suspension. Retighten them if you need to. A good way to watch these bolts over time is to mark them with a marker. We use a white paint marker and draw a line over the bolt onto the part. That way, this way, when the lines don't match, you know it's coming loose. Check for accumulations of plant or brush. These things could be a fire hazard and they may hide, they may hide damage due to fuel lines, brake hoses, and axle pinion seals. And they might hide damage to the fuel lines, brake hoses, axle pinion seals, and, propel, and axle pinion seals. After extended operation in mud, sand, water, or similar dirty conditions, check your radiator, fan, brake rotors, wheels, brake linings, all that stuff, and clean it as soon as possible. You don't want that mud caking up in your Jeep. And if you experience an unusual vibration, like maybe death wobble, 
after driving in the mud, slush, or similar conditions, check your wheels for the impacted material. Impacted material can cause wheel imbalance. Hmm, maybe death wobble? Wheel imbalance can lead to death wobble. Next week on Jeep Life, my top five must-dos when you lift your Jeep Wrangler and add bigger tires. So how does Tammy's Jeep Life compare with your own? We're always looking for Jeep stories, and everybody's got one, right? So contact us and let us know what your Jeep life is like. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com contact to find out how to reach out. And don't forget about the Jeep Talk Show newsletter. It's very easy to sign up for it, and it's got a ton of great information about it. Want to know what's going on behind the scenes? Want to know what's coming up in the next giveaway? Just go to jeeptalkshow.com contact. You're going to find a link to click and sign up for our newsletter. And it's just as easy to unsubscribe as it is to subscribe. Don't worry, we're not going to spam you. We don't sell your information. It's literally one email a week from the Jeep Talk Show to get all the best info. Well, that's it for the show for this week, my fellow Jeeper. Until next week, be sure to keep up to date with us on Facebook, Twitter, Insta, TikTok, and more. And as always, thank you for listening to the world's most downloaded Jeep podcast. And in the words of a fellow Jeeper, may your paths be rocky and your wheels be planted. Nathan Pan. Podcasting since 2010.